It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Welcome to Ask the Experts. My name's Brian Black. I'm talking to Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. It's a beautiful day, a beautiful week. Can you believe it's going to be 98 degrees on Friday? It's unbelievable. We're almost going to be at 100 degrees, and it was frankly kind of cold last week it was i was wearing my uh, my jacket to do my morning walk you know it's interesting uh, they were claiming it was going to be in the 90s last week and then it never happened and they were claiming it was going to be in the 90s the week before and it never happened do you think we're going to get another cold snap or do you think it's finally here i don't know el nino has uh, surprised us before you know that's spanish for the nino yes yeah sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about retirement planning we're talking about uh your future and specifically we're talking to you if you are a baby boomer if you're a person born in the post-war period from the years of 1946 to 1964, ages 52 to 70 years old. Uh, today we're going to talk about this sort of late life planning. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have done their planning, who've got everything in order, who know exactly what they want to do. Um, but right now we're about three years into uh, baby boomers, the earliest baby boomers, getting to that magic number of 67 years old, the retirement age in the yes. United States. And, um, you know, it was widely reported over the past couple of decades that baby boomers were the most optimistic generation. Uh, they, you know, after the uh, perceived success of World War II, the real success of World War II, they were an optimistic generation that grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and they honestly thought that the world was going to be a better place. And, and unfortunately, they uh, tended to put off planning for retirement because they had that I'm never going to die attitude. Uh, that may not apply to everyone, but it certainly applies to some, as we've seen over the last uh, couple of years where people who have been caught kind of flat-footed and haven't planned. So today we're going to talk a little bit about late-life planning. Um, you may not feel like it's late-life if you're 52 years old. I'm not too far off of that mark myself. I don't feel like it's late. I feel like I've got all the time in the world, but it's never too early to plan, correct? It's never too early. So, uh, you know, safe. let's start with those younger people. What... If you're 52 years old today and, uh, you know, all you've really done is uh, bought yourself big screen TVs and uh, every car that you've wanted and you've taken care of your kids, but you haven't really planned too much for your own uh, retirement and your own future, what's something that you can start doing today to make that a plan? Well, I would uh, suggest that, and, and you don't have to be 52 years of age or 70 years of age, mm -hmm. but... Uh, uh, with the demographics and what has happened over the last 20 or 30 years, people have to start thinking about what is happening economically in the society, financially, uh, politically. There are just so many things that people have to concern themselves with. And <clears throat> over the last few years, we've seen people accumulating a lot of wealth with real property. Mm -hmm. And uh, then all of a sudden, with the crash uh, eight years ago or so, and people's fortunes went from having millions of dollars down to having millions of pennies. Right. And so at one time, they were doing a lot of planning for uh, their estate or their anticipated estate. Mm-hmm. 
now those same people are concerned that they don't have much of an estate. So what can we do at the last minute to try to get through this life uh, with some degree of of uh, living? Right. Comfort? Comfort, yes. And one of the things that I see is I look around economically. A lot of people are putting a lot of money still into big homes. And it seems like when I was young, people had uh, smaller homes. Sure. I lived in a in a home where uh, uh, there was probably about 1,500 square feet, and we were doing very well in, in the economy, and, and my parents would always pay the bills, and we made it through reasonably well. And we went to college, and we did all of these things. And, and uh, now it seems like people have to put so much money in a big house and showy type of thing. Sure. And now when the people get older, just about the only thing they have is their house. And they don't have any reservoir of funds that they can survive on. And so uh, laws have changed and we're trying to take care of the elderly. And there's a brand new area of law uh, known as elder law that's kind of cropped up in the last 20, 25 years. I'm sure because of the baby boomer generation. Because of the baby boomer generation. A lot of things have happened uh, politically where uh, we've taken a system, the social security system, we've had to fund it so that it would take us through bad times. And, and our people have allowed the government to use up those funds and just take them out. And, and now the, uh, government has an obligation to the social security system to try to pay some of that back and and paying interest with the other debt i mean it's just really a, a bad time for baby boomers right and there's you know the vast majority of them have yet to achieve retirement age that is correct and you know they're they've raised the retirement age at one time it was uh, 65, and now it's moved up to 67, and it's mm-hmm. going to continue to go up so that the uh, anticipated funding for taking care of the elderly will uh, uh, hopefully uh, the cost of that will go down. They won't live as long. At the same time, we have uh, um, technology, medical technology that is able to keep us alive longer and vital longer, and, sure. and yet. Now you may be pushed out into the retirement years. So there are just so many things that people need to think about when they are uh, trying to plan for the elder years of their life. So, you know, as you know, let's talk about that economic situation. Uh, you, you do this every day. You practice this form of law. Uh, your clients that are coming in right now who are looking toward 10 years from now, who are looking toward 5 to 15 years from now, what are they expecting and what are you expecting as far as the economic climate in the United States? Well, well, and you have to plan for all contingencies, but what, you know, what are you planning for? Well, you, you look at a lot of the elderly, they, as they get older, they are less likely to be investing in uh, risky ventures. Right. And the stock market basically is considered a little riskier venture than if you put your money into bonds or the bank accounts and things like this. Now all of a sudden interest rates are so low 
And with those interest rates being low, the, the money that has been invested by these uh, elderly people are not giving them as much return on their investment. So we have th this dynamic is just uh, really confusing right now. And, but there are some things legally that they need to, to think of in preparing for it. When we come back, we'll be talking about those options for baby boomers. If you have a question for Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, give us a call or a text on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line at 702-257-5396. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. I'm Brian Black talking to Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. Uh, we're talking about baby boomers today, people born between the age of, between the years of 1946 and 1964, between the ages of 52 and 70 years old. Looking on Wikipedia just now, just general information about the baby boomer generation. 60% uh, lost value in, in uh, investments because of the economic crisis of eight years ago. 40, this is a report in 2011, 42% are delaying retirement. We're about three years into uh, the baby boomers entering retirement age right now. And 25% of those people claim they will never retire and are currently still working. Um, that sounds great if you can do it. You know, I've known people that have worked, you know, at their job until their 80s and their job was the kind of job that allowed them to do that. And uh, but that's not the case for everyone. And if you don't have a plan in place, uh, things could go wrong. But they're forced into doing it a lot of times because they haven't properly planned. Right. Now, we're talking, uh, th this is a legal show, but, and I don't involve myself in financial planning. We, mm -hmm. we always uh, uh, suggest that people get good financial planners to help them uh, accumulate their wealth. But And I can tell the public today that's what they should do is really get good financial planners. Not that you're going to put away the estate planning mm -hmm. because whatever estate you are able to accumulate or if you don't have an estate, how you're going to get through those years when you do not have anything to, to get you through. Right. Then it's the elder law area that can help you and assist you in, in getting through those years. But people, people do need to plan. So, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, people whose investments are not paying off the way that they uh, they thought that they might. Uh, I kind of off mic just a few minutes ago said, you know, you know, hey, I'm not a financial genius, but it sounds like what you're saying is that low interest rates are great news for borrowers, but not such good news for investors. That's true. Uh, uh, as people get older, they there's less risk that they want to take, so they'll take it out of uh, equities or stocks and stocks mm -hmm. that they've invested in and they will start putting it into bonds or uh, CDs or, or bank accounts, whatever, and try to get some kind of an interest rate. But if your interest rates are holding and they're very low, it takes much more in the way of wealth to be put into those, those uh, bonds in order to give you some type of income. And as time goes on, we will always see some kind of an inflationary trend. And with that inflation, if you're taking a flat percentage off of the assets that you have mm -hmm. invested and you take that interest to live on, then that is basically over time, the value of that interest amount is going down. And so you're 
perpetually getting worse and worse off. And hopefully you, you want to die, but uh, <laughs> your health is so good that you, you can't. Right. And you're, you're far forced into uh, working longer and, and not enjoying those, what we thought would be retirement years. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, as you said just a few minutes ago, not to belabor the point, but medical science has gotten us to a point where it's not unreasonable to think you're going to live a healthy life into your 90s. That's uh, true. And, you know, that wasn't the case 25 years ago. Look at the number of people that are, are living to be 100. My my mother uh, had no one in her, her history ever reach close to 100 years of age. Right. But she had passed up 100, was was working on her 101st year when she finally passed. You know, I remember when I was a kid, they used to put that on the national news when somebody was 100 years old. Yes. Uh, on the, like the weatherman in the morning. Willard Scott used to, you know, wish people happy birthdays because they'd reached to yeah, 101. You'd see it on TV. You know, and now it's, yeah, it's that guy down the street, you know. Yes. So, you know, you know, I guess what we're talking about here is accumulating wealth versus spending wealth. There comes a tipping point in your life where if you've done great planning, then you're still accumulating wealth and, and that's fine. So, that's not who we're talking about today. Uh, I guess what we need to talk about is people who uh, need to plan their estate for making it through those final years and leaving something for the next generation. So we've talked a little bit about the the, the youngest uh, age of baby boomers, the bo- baby boomers, those 52-year-olds or so. Let's talk about those late-life planners, people who never thought they were going to retire, who have delayed it as long as they can. They're in their 60s right now. What's some useful advice for those people? Well, there are some things that uh, are have come up that will assist people getting through if if the only thing they have in life let's say is their is their residence right and uh, they can borrow money on that uh, uh, and not pay any interest or make any payments on that loan until uh, they die and then the bank has the right to come in and and uh, require their estate to sell the house and pay mm-hmm. them back along with interest. That's a reverse mortgage? Re- reverse mortgage, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, you know, in that case, what happens, uh, what about your heirs in that situation? Is there, you know, is there money left over? Is, does it just depend on how long you live? What's the, the story with that? Well, once they borrow out uh, all of the equity, they, they've gotten to the end of the of the pot of gold. Right. And so after that, then they have to fend off uh, poverty in some other way. That's right. But uh, once they die, that home is encumbered by this debt. Right. And the bank requires that there be a repayment of that debt within a certain period of time after they die. And so their estate then would put it on the market and sell it. And if there's more equity in it than than there is debt, then those those heirs in the estate get to take that equity. But uh, oftentimes uh, these places, I mean, these homes are upside down because too much was loaned out to uh, um, these elderly people. Mm-hmm. And now the debt is higher than the fair market value. Well, yeah, especially ones that were bought in, say, 2004, 2003, Correct. things like that, mm-hmm. because they had these huge, huge price tags on them, and they're not just they're just not worth that these days. That's true. So, you know, if 
what are so what's a what's a uh, have you seen any examples of uh, kind of a uh, silver lining type of situation for somebody entering these 60s 70s uh, something that they can do that that will help their heirs out what's uh, what's something good that can come out of this well um Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, Nothing good can come of this. If you're, you're poor, doomed. you pour it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can't print our own money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I did see a report. Never mind. Uh, so when, when somebody's uh, entering into, the, into these late uh, planning stages, you know, we're talking about uh, taking care of yourself until the time of your passing. Uh, what's the state of Social Security right now? What's, uh, what's happening with that? Is there, you know, you keep an eye on the... Um, on the landscape because you have to for your sure. clients. Mm-hmm. So, so what is the expected outcome here? I mean, I'm sure there's controversy surrounding it, surrounding it but what's a conservative estimate? Well, I think that the government is, will be forced into continuing to, to pay back some of that debt to the Social Security Administration and keep it going and, and keep those who, that are on Social Security uh, with some kind of an income. Right. But at the same time, uh, those that have this income are going to have to start pulling in the belt to make sure that that is going to take care of their of their future needs. Okay. So I would suggest that they don't go out and and spend their money. Uh, occasionally, we'll we'll have a, a husband and wife. They'll have children. The husband will die, and the mother is going to inherit the whole thing. Right. Not an excessive amount of money, but quite a bit of so what they will do is they will say well you know i know that their father would want the kids to have something so Mm -hmm. the mother will give them all kinds of assets or uh, some of the cash or whatever to try to help them through these uh these years when they're developing their own families right or their grandchildren want to go to college or whatever Mm -hmm. so you know the surviving spouse will give their children a little bit too much this creates a situation where they have less money. Right. And then all of a sudden their health goes down and they need some long-term care. They don't have enough money to take care of themselves. And they now have to go to the government and ask for governmental assistance, Medicaid, for instance. Mm-hmm. Then Medicaid, they say, you know, we're not going to assist someone if they themselves have made themselves themselves impoverished right you can't and you can't so, game the system that's right so they look back a full five years and here's all this money that was given away to children and that's a gift and they consider that as uh, uh you know impoverishing themselves when we come back we'll be talking a little bit more about this late life planning for the baby boom generation if you have a question for brian lowe of brian a lowe and associates give us a call or a text on the centennial toyota talk and text line at 702 702- Two five seven five three nine six. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk seven twenty KDWN. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. Brian Black here talking to Brian Lowe of Brian A Lowe and Associates. We're talking about baby boomers today and late life 
not-so-late life, but estate planning for, for someone who may have delayed retirement, somebody who may have uh, thought that they were going to work for a long time, and uh, more specifically in this segment, we're talking about the possibility of a married couple, one of, your, one of the spouses dying, and what you might need to do uh, in the circumstances surrounding that. Now, when you're talking about estate planning, this is something that we've brought up before. Uh, Nevada doesn't have an inheritance tax, uh, but we do have a state tax. Correct. And what that means is that when you die, the government, and, and Brian just explained this to me, so don't think I'm smart. Um, you, the government adds up everything that you have, and if it's over a certain amount, then they, they take 40% of it. What is that amount? That is $5.4 million. The first $5.4 million has a graduated tax on it. Right. However, the exemption is an exemption on the, the amount of tax that would have been collected on the first $5.4 million. Right. So then at $5.4 million, you start paying the 40%. So, you know, people hear, though, you know, I could just see people in their car or at their desk right now. They hear $5.4 million and, they, and they think, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. There's an exemption. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, I don't have $5.4 million. That's a lot of money. But there's something uh, interesting about this is that that is a fairly recent uh, occurrence. Five years ago, they changed it to $5.4 million. What was well, it before it, that? It has been going up. Okay. I mean, we went from, from 600000 to six fifty, and then it went up to seven and then it went to i mean it graduated slowly mm -hmm. and it wasn't until about uh, uh five years ago that we got up to about five million well you know somebody 10 years ago might have easily uh, had uh, an estate that was worth more than six hundred thousand dollars yes you know you have a house you have some property you have a business you have money you have investments six hundred thousand dollars is a lot different than 5.4 million and so when we're talking about baby boomers somebody who made their estate plan 15 years ago might need an entirely different estate plan today that's true so you know when you know there, there was a time when you had to worry about the fact well if i die and my wife inherits my one million dollars worth of stuff uh, she's going to have to pay 40% tax or, or whatever the, the graduated tax uh, was up until at that time. And now it's, it's a completely different picture. There's no tax on it. So, you know, as, as far as uh, making that estate plan, it would be a smart move to review that, especially if you were uh, in the prime of your life when you made that estate plan. You were in your 40s, you were in your early 50s, and things seemed to be looking up. And let's just, you know, let's just say the early 2000s, everything was looking up. Yes. Now, along with that, in the estate planning, mm -hmm. when we had a much lower exemption on the estate tax amount, we would split the estate. So a husband and wife at the first death would split their estate and we would put an A kind of trust, we'll call it A trust, and mm -hmm. a B trust. The A trust being the survivor's portion and the B trust being the decedent's amount. And we would put enough into that B trust to use up their exemption and then the balance would go over, let's say, to the surviving spouse. And so the surviving spouse's estate could be a little higher. Right. But there would be no tax paid on the first death. So now we have an A trust and a B trust. Now, a lot of these trusts are still in existence. Sure. And a lot of these people that did these trusts, uh, it has just been one spouse, the same children, they're planning to give it to that next generation, uh, but 
they'd never anticipated that when the first person died, that portion that went over into the deceased spouse's trust mm-hmm. is going is in an irrevocable trust. Right. There are limitations on what they can do with that. Right. It's going to flow down to the children eventually and maybe give some ability for the survivor to use the income from it, but they have to file a tax return on it, right. 1041 each year. They are limited as to what they can do with those assets. And it and all of a sudden, people will die and they'll come into my office and say, hey, uh, you know, we did an A-B trust and now we've got a situation where I don't want it split up. I don't want half of my assets that used to be mine and, and my husband's, and but it was... You know, it was for my benefit. Right. And now we're going to put it over into a separate trust for the benefit of the children and the, their limitations on what I can do with those assets. Now, is there something you can do about that? Well, yes. Well, it, it's difficult to do anything after that first spouse dies if the trust spells out that it's supposed to go into that that decedent's trust or be trust. Right. There's not much you can do about it. you got to fund it. But... Uh, uh, if the husband and wife are both still alive, now is the time to get in and have those reviewed sure. and determine what would be in the best interest of of the survivor of the grantors. Because the surviving grantor may have many years, may live to be 100 when they thought that they were only going to live to 75. And so they've got to use those effectively to maintain their lifestyle for many more years. So, you know, and that's like like we talked about just a few minutes ago, that is so important to consider if you were do you were doing the right thing by doing these AB trusts yes. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and think about it. My own grandmother survived her husband by 30 years. And things change. Uh, and that was that wasn't what was going to happen 30 years ago. Uh, you know, people, you know, kind of expected, you know, like you say, life expectancy was in the 70s and it's dramatically increased, uh, especially in the United States as mm-hmm. of this time. So, you know, if you have both spouses surviving at this time, very important to get in there and, you know, see if it needs changing. That's true. So uh, let's talk about somebody who is in the opposite situation for just a moment. You know, say there's not much you can do about that, that AB trust once one spouse has died. Uh, what, about, what about that baby boomer that is in the situation of, uh, you know, a wife whose husband died 15 years ago and they're in that situation? What are some things that she can do at this point? Well, she should uh, determine what she can do under the terms of the trust. Now, every trust... Uh, will spell out what you have to do once it becomes irrevocable. And sometimes there are some powers of attorney. Sometimes there are um, abilities to take out, let's say, 5% per year, and maybe they'll want to start taking out that 5% every year so that they have now can put it over into their trust and completely control that 5%. Um there are ways to interpret what your needs are because mm-hmm. some of these AB trusts will show that uh, you can take funds out of the B trust for a principal amount if you need it. And so, you know, you just need to maybe make a budget and start putting your uh, 
all the information down that that you need to to establish the fact that you're taking it for the purpose that the trust was set up for. So you know, as 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 time goes by, and you're 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 you know doing this late life planning, um, as far other than the AB trust. You're both still surviving. You had a, an estate plan or at least a rudimentary estate plan uh, from years ago. What are some other steps that you can take to maximize uh, your plan? To maximize the plan. So, you, know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, provide the most for your heirs while still being able to live in comfort for the rest of your life. Well, I would suggest if your estate isn't over $5.4 million, you think two or three times before you start giving anything away. Uh, you'd need to accumulate that wealth and hold it for your own benefit because your your children have their their uh, youth. They have the energy and ability to prepare themselves for work or they've already gotten into their own professions and are working themselves. They don't need all that. You need it. And that's a common mistake that a lot of people make. When we return, we'll be talking a little bit more about uh, the, the smart way to give. Uh, at the end of your life. If you have a question for Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, give us a call or a text on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text line at 702-257-5396. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian Lowe, Brian A. Lowe and Associates. We're talking about estate planning for baby boomers. And uh, one of the things that uh, is definitely on the minds of boomers these days, people on the uh, on the age range of 52 to 70 years old, is what do I do when I die? What uh, what happens to all of my estate? You know, how do I take care of my spouse in those circumstances? And, you know, of course, how do I take care of my grandchildren, uh, different members of the family? A common mistake that a lot of people make is that they feel like they need to distribute everything upon their death. And uh, that's not always the best idea, is it? No, it's not always the best idea. Oftentimes, well, particularly now with the the amount of litigation that goes on, the haves against the have-nots. The have-nots want to get whatever the haves have. And Mm -hmm. so we have all this litigation to try to get that movement of of, uh, wealth from one person to another. And so uh, asset protection is becoming more and more uh, acceptable, uh, more and more desirable among parents. They will want to set up their trust now where they don't give the money outright to their children upon their demise. Mm -hmm. They will set it up in trusts, and these trusts will, uh, since this is a third-party trust, a third-party trust is a trust that's established by someone other than the beneficiary right. for the beneficiary's benefit. And being a third-party trust, you can do quite a bit in limiting that beneficiary's ability to get into the money. And oftentimes, over the years, because of the demographics and everything that's gone on over the last 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. uh are a lot of the younger people are uh, want to enjoy it now kind of a, a group of people. And when they get it, when they inherit it, they want to spend it. Or someone will sue them for it and take it away from them. And, right. And, or there will be divorces, a breakup of marriages and things like this that will take assets away from them. So oftentimes they will think in terms of some kind of 
uh, asset protection for the benefit of their children. And so we are making a lot of amendments now to set up these trusts in such a way that, that the children will get the benefit of these assets. And but it'll be protected against the what I call the grubby group, the ones that would like to get it. Well, you know, and the <clears throat> things change, and we've said it many times on on this show. Uh, you know, I, I guess what uh, what we're talking about. Well, let's put it this way: if I personally am any kind of example, your grandson will be an idiot when he's eighteen years old. You know, he's not gonna. You may think he's the smartest kid in the world, but if he's anything like me, he's not gonna think too much about the future. And if you if you really want to help him, then it might be a good idea to put a few limitations on the uh, the the wealth that you may be trying to distribute to him at that age. If you you know if you were to pass on. And oftentimes these these young people. Uh, e- easy come, easy go. Sure. They don't have any skin in, in uh, uh, you know, accumulating this wealth. And so it doesn't really mean that much to them, and it's easy for them to spend. And so some kind of a limitation on their ability to take and the limitation on their creditor's ability to reach in and grab it right. is always helpful. Well, you know, and the, the you know the, the the great thing about these tools that are available, these trusts that we're talking about that are for the benefit of your heirs in the case of your passing, is that they're very customizable. You can put uh, virtually any kind of legal uh, stipulation on it as to how the money can be spent because it is it is a document stating how you would like your money to be spent for the benefit of someone else. True. And so, you know, for instance, uh, you know, maybe maybe your grandson's not going to be an idiot, but if he's going to do the right thing, then it doesn't hurt to have those rules because he's going to be doing the right thing and he'll be operating within those rules. That's true. But if some there is some change, like you say, if you know if his parents get divorced, if his situation changes, if his if whatever his mood changes, if his if his outlook, you know, the the bright twelve year old that you were planning to fund to go to Princeton might not be the same kid by the time he's eighteen, and you're not there to to see that situation, and you need to do the right thing. That's right. So, you know, it's, you know, the greatest thing about these tools that are available is that they are so customizable. What are some other situations where you might want to, you know, the grandson going to college, what are some other situations where you want to put limitations on who gets what? Well, I'll just use the example of my, my wife's grandparents. Okay. They put it into trust. They gave the trustee the ability to make discretionary distributions to, uh, the grandkids, but also there were certain things that were put into concrete. If they got married, they are to get something. Right. And the the amount was spelled out. If they go to college, then each semester they got something. Right. And so they picked out the things that they felt were important for their posterity to do. Mm-hmm. And if if their grandchildren or grandchildren or great-grandchildren did those things, they received some type of a benefit from their trust. And it went on for probably 40 years, 45 years. And finally, it was all used up. But during those years, just about the entire family were benefited and they received benefit for doing the things that their grandparents wanted them to do. And so there was a success in accomplishing something for those grandchildren that they may not have have, have accomplished if they hadn't set up that financial uh, 
benefit. Well, you know, and if they had distributed everything at the beginning of that 40 years, chances are it would have been all gone and completely exhausted immediately. That's true. In some way or another. If you give somebody a lump sum, they're going to buy a house. They're going to buy a, you know, because, I mean, it might not be the dumb decision. It just might not be the absolute best use of that money. And oftentimes it's not the house. It's generally the car. Right. Yeah, well, you know. Or the boat. Yeah, exactly. Or, <laughs> or a series of big screen TVs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All depreciating assets that disappear at the end of the day. Well, you know, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that, that can and will happen uh, when, when you're planning for whether you're going to die and leave uh, benefit for your spouse, whether you're trying to plan for the benefit of your grandchildren. Uh, do you offer, you know, I know that the ultimate decision, we've only got a minute, a minute left here. Uh, the ultimate decision is on the person themselves of how they want to distribute. But somebody can come in you and talk, come to you and talk about different kinds of options, correct? You bet. And at any time uh, they come into your office, the first consultation is free. It is. And that's no strings. That's a real meeting with Brian A. Lowe. And, you know, all you have to do is make an appointment at 702-259-0002. What are a couple of things that you would talk about with those people real quick? What they want to do, what, what their family is, and what they want to do for their family, and, and uh, how they perceive their family 50 years from that time, or 100 years from that time, and how they can, in fact, affect accomplishing that goal. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate this informative you, talk. We'll be back next week on Ask the Experts right here on KDWN 720 AM.